Hey, I just want to say thank you for checking out this message today. I hope that it helps you, that it encourages you, and that you are able to learn a little bit more about who God is and why so many people throughout history have chosen to become followers of Jesus. If you enjoy this message and you want to hear more, you can find us on Facebook or YouTube, but ultimately you can find everything you need to know at clcwinnipeg.ca. There you can find more messages, you can find our social handles, ways to get connected to our church, and if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do that as well. And like I said before, I hope that you are encouraged by the message you're about to hear. God bless you. Since we entered the 21st century, we have seen drastic changes in how we communicate with each other and also how we relate to one another. The, the digital age and the rise of personal computing and the internet and smartphones has changed the way that we talk and it has changed how we communicate with each other. And this has brought so many benefits. It has made us more aware of what's happening in the world so that relief efforts are stronger and we are more able to help where needs arise. And now we, we share more information which helps us to tackle different problems and to uh, solve different things. We saw that this past year as the whole world came together to make a COVID-19 vaccine. Something like that was just not necessarily possible in years prior. How we communicate with each other has changed. The world has become a lot smaller in some ways. For example, I can know now with just a few taps what is happening in almost any country in the world. I can pull up their news and find out what is going on there. And there's different countries that are in different stages of this digital age and our entrance into a new era. But it seems like ultimately we are all kind of headed in the same direction. We're all going towards this like digital utopia. And here in the West, we're, we're generally a little farther along, but it, it seems like that's where we're all going. So this isn't exactly a typical relationship series. I know that it's February and this is actually coming out on Valentine's Day, but I didn't, I didn't feel like what necessarily we needed most right now was a series on romantic relationships. If that's what you're looking for, I can point you to a myriad of resources. But romantic relationships are just one relationship that we have in our life. And it might take you a while to find that relationship, but throughout that whole time, you're going to have many, many hundreds, if not thousands of relationships throughout the course of your life. And each and every one of those, I believe, is so important. I'm so convinced that as the world changes, we can't just let it happen to us. We actually need to be engaging with those changes. We need to participate in what's happening in the culture around us. And we need to be talking about it. Particularly as the church, I believe that we need to be at the forefront of these conversations as the world changes. So for the next four weeks, you've got me and we're going to look into a few different topics about how we relate to each other and how we relate to the world around us. So this is going to be called Relationships in the 21st Century. And I hope that as we go along, that you find that you are thinking differently about how you relate to people and that it helps you to come further along in your most important relationship 
and that is your relationship with Jesus. So before we get started, I just want to pray really quick. God, I thank you that you are a relational God, that you care about us, that you want to talk to us and hear from us. And so God, as we, as we talk about how we do relationships, Lord, I just pray, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to, to see where we're maybe missing the mark and to see where we're doing well and to see what needs to change. And God, ultimately, I pray that we would, through this series, become more like you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. So I don't know about you, but in 2020, I had to learn a lot about friendship in particular. Because in 2020, what we saw was that we were no longer running into people the ways that we used to. There was no more just like going out and having to run into somebody and then just stopping for a conversation. It might have happened here and there, but there was a distance that was put between us and our friends, this social distance. And so a lot of our friendships where we would normally just say, hey, let's go see a movie tonight, or hey, let's go try out that new restaurant, or why don't you come over tonight? That kind of just slipped away from a lot of us. And then those groups where we normally would go to, like, like if you're in a life group or a church or in your community, wherever it is that you went to go be in regular community with people, a lot of those were shut down. So we lost some of those natural relationships that we just kind of have and we maintain. But it also allowed me personally to realize that there were some relationships, for example, with somebody from another province where it was like, you know what? I've actually had the tools all along. I can FaceTime this person. I can call them. Because when all of your relationships are kind of reduced to that playing field, it helps you to realize that, you know what? There's actually been no reason this whole time that I couldn't be keeping in touch with this person regularly. So I found that some of my relationships got stronger. And some of them, it felt like they just kind of drifted away. Or, you know, because we weren't running into each other, we, we just stopped talking to each other. And for some of us, we maybe had to acknowledge that there was actually relationships that we were possibly losing. For myself, I remember last spring, as you know, we were kind of in the throes of this pandemic. And as I was thinking about how it was going to be different and how we were going to have to come back to a social life that was currently just on pause for so many of us, I thought about back in my life, all of the people that have come in and out of my life and how there were some people who I had once maybe called my closest friend who just, you know, as you grow up and as you, as you go through life, things happen and people go their separate ways and, and life happens to each and every one of us. And I realized that there had been some relationships in my life that seemingly without me really knowing or paying attention had just those people weren't in my life anymore. And so it got me thinking about the relationships I do have and what needs to be different to keep those people in my life. And how I would view friendship going forward. Because with that, I thought a lot about the kind of friend that I had been. 
And maybe some of those relationships didn't need to go away. Maybe, you know, life does happen, but maybe I just needed to put more effort into some of those relationships and they would have been maintained. Because I think the story that I grew up with about friendship, and I know that this isn't everybody's story, but for me, I always just kind of had friends around. Um, you know, you, you show up to school when you're a little kid and you find out that somebody has the same interests as, as you do, and or maybe, you know, your parents are friends, or you just live close to each other, and those are your friends. And that might last you for a few years, that might last you for a whole lifetime if, if you're really fortunate and you find somebody you get along with. For many of those years, making friends was just kind of easy. It just happened. And it didn't take that much work. And I think for a long time, I realized that that was the story I had just maintained with my friendships, was that I had friends and I didn't need to put that much work into it because I had them. And when you have friends nearby, it's not hard to just maintain those relationships sometimes. But in a year like we just had, I had to realize that there was going to be more intentionality in the past year with the friends that I had than ever before. And so I not only thought about the kind of friend I had been in all these relationships, but the kind of friend that I wanted to be going forward. And I'll be the first person to admit, I do not have all of this figured out, but hopefully I can, I can convince you why together as followers of Jesus, we all need to spend some time thinking about this. So first off, why do we need to have great friends in our lives? In 1937, there was a study done with 268 Harvard graduates. It was one of the most thorough and robust studies ever done. And they took these graduates and they, they followed them for the next 70 years of their lives. And these were people who were starting an elite position, having graduated from one of the most prestigious universities in the entire world in Harvard. And so they would have gone through life and accomplished much. They, some of them would have gone to war shortly after. Some of them would have, I'm sure, been CEOs or company founders and very successful. But what they wanted to know at the end of it all was what had brought each of these subjects the most satisfaction in their lives. And just about across the board, the number one indicator of satisfaction in their lives was the quality of relationships that they had with their family and friends. When we think about the kinds of things we might say on our deathbeds, it is unlikely that we will talk about our career accomplishments. But rather, it will be our relationships with family and friends that we cherish the most and that bring us the most joy in those days. And it's not going to be that, you know, I had... I had 5,000 friends on Facebook. It's not going to be that you have the biggest network, but rather it's going to be those family and friends that we went deep with. The ones who spent the ups and the downs with us. The ones who know us more intimately than anyone else. You cannot live life alone. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 and 10, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. The reality is that you are going to experience a lot of ups and downs in this life. And you're going to get knocked down. And some of us may just like to put on a brave face and 
do everything we can to just you know, be self-reliant and be self-assured and to get back up on our own. But the reality is that making a habit of doing that is going to be really tiring and it can lead to greater loneliness. Loneliness has become an ever-increasing problem in our world. As we have become more connected, we have also become more isolated. And you think if you, if you can have connection and you can have a social life just by looking at a screen, you may not work as hard to go and have those in-person, face-to-face interactions that are really meaningful. Younger people are spending so much of their lives behind a screen, living their life. And what we're finding in those people is that it is not bringing them the satisfaction that they may be looking for. In fact, a couple years ago, they did a study that said millennial women, which would now be approximately 25 to 40, are more afraid of loneliness than a cancer diagnosis, which is by far the highest share of any generation. And we all feel this at times. We are aware of how difficult it can be to find ourselves alone. And the reality is that you can find yourself feeling alone at any stage of your life. Young, old, single, dating, married, engaged, unemployed or employed. If you do not have meaningful relationships with your friends and family, you will find that you are missing something. And I would argue that the need for friendships and relationships is actually something that God has placed in each and every one of us. As we were made in the image of God, part of that is that God built into us the need to be in relationships. Daryl Johnson, he wrote that God is one, yet God exists in a community of three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. At the center of the universe is a relationship. Relationships are a part of who we are. When we relate to others, we reflect the image of God. So as we slowly crawl towards a return to normal, and as our social lives slowly start to look how they used to, and we get to run into people at the store and go to church and be in an in-person life group, all of those things, I think each and every one of us would be wise to reevaluate the friendships that we have in our lives. There's maybe never actually been a better time to reevaluate your friendships. The social distance that has been placed between us allows us to look at those we know and say, I miss that person, or I'm going to be really excited to be able to see that person again, or I'm going to be more intentional with getting to know that person. And on the flip side, it allows us to look at some of the people who were in our lives that actually weren't helping us. And this time and distance might make it easier for us to let go of some of those relationships that were toxic to you, that were dragging you down, or was harmful for your heart and for your soul. There may be relationships in your life where it's just like, you know what? That person really wasn't helping So for the rest of this message, I just want to give you some ideas about how you can assess your friendships and then maybe give you some ideas about how you can find some new ones if that's something that you're looking for. And I hope that each and every one of you has people in your life that you have strong relationships with. And I hope that 
as we talk about this, that maybe it can just even help you to be more intentional in those relationships that you have. So we're going to talk about how good friends are good fits. That's good friends are good F-I-T-S. So what does that mean? Well, first off, we're going to start with the F. Good friends are good at forgiving. I think that young boys, in particular, can be excellent at this at times. I remember many times when I was on the playground and, uh, you know, you're at a recess or maybe you're in gym class and you're playing dodgeball and you get in an argument with your friend. And I would, I remember being so mad in the moment at this friend of mine. And then recess would end and we'd go back in the classroom and we're hamming it up almost immediately with nothing more than just a change of scenery to change our minds. So it's possible that maybe we weren't forgiving each other, but we were forgetting what had just happened. And we had moved on very quickly. Now as adults, I think that we can probably approach that a little more intentionally, a little more mature. But why should we actually be good at forgiving other people? Why not just move on and forget things happened? Well, in the book of Luke, chapter 17, verse 3 and 4, Jesus said, If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day, and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. It's difficult to hear. Forgiving people isn't always going to be easy. But the alternative to, unfor to forgiving is unforgiveness, which can lead us into bitterness and into anger. And if we are trying to be followers of Jesus, what we find as we lean more in towards those other characteristics, like anger, is that we are actually not living as Jesus lived. If he's our example, we know that at times he did display a very righteous anger, but he forgave people time and time again. To the one time that we see him angry, there are many, many more times that we see him forgive people. In fact, Jesus, when he was at the most difficult point in his life, he was hanging on the cross he found it within himself to pray for forgiveness for the ones who had placed him there. Becoming a follower of Jesus requires to forgive and to forgive and to forgive time and time again. And if Jesus wanted us to forgive our enemies, I don't know if we could find better practice for doing that than starting by forgiving our friends. So good friends are good at forgiving and asking for forgiveness. Because when you're in a relationship with someone long enough, at some point there will be conflict. And that's okay. Not every healthy relationship needs to avoid conflict. In fact, it's probably healthier if you are working things out together. So good friends are good at forgiving. Good friends are good at inspiring. Proverbs 26, verse 3. 
says that wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. And probably a more famous proverb from Proverbs 27 verse 17 says that as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Good friends and good relationships call out the best in one another. They look out for each other. They see an area where somebody is maybe not living up to the potential that they know that that person has, and they call it out of them. And maybe they even offer the accountability to say, you know what? I believe that you can get past this, that this is something that you can overcome, and I'm actually going to be here for you. I'm going to check in on you and make sure that you're doing okay. I'm going to, I'm going to offer myself to sharpen you. And when you do the same thing in return, I'm just going to receive that and trust that you are in it to help me. And like it said, wounds from a sincere friend, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. So sometimes it may hurt in the short term, but know that you will be better for it in the long term because wounds heal. Honesty may not feel good, but it does allow us to grow. So good friends are good at forgiving, at inspiring, and at trusting. We can't tell everybody everything about ourselves. That's not healthy. It's not beneficial. There are people in your life who are going to have different access into your life. There's going to be people who stick around when things are bad. Elred of Raveau, he said that the mark of a true friend is the willingness to stand with someone even when it is difficult to do so. We need people who are going to stick with us when times are difficult. We need people who we can confide in and work through problems with. And when times are bad, we need people who are going to hold us up and encourage us and see us when we're struggling and do what they can to help. Some of the most memorable times in my friendships are when people just, when they, without being asked, just offered to help. When they came over when I was down or when they, they just offered a listening ear when I was working through something. Proverbs 18 verse 24 says that one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That friend can change your life. And hopefully that is the kind of relationship that you are pursuing. If you are single or if you are married, I hope that that's the kind of thing that you're pursuing in your marriage. But I hope that each and every one of us, that when times get tough, has a friend who draws near. People are going to come in and out of your life as you go along. And we cherish those friendships while we have them, but sometimes they end. And I pray to God that if you have experienced the ending of a friendship like that, or if you have never experienced that, that God would provide that for you. Good friends are worth trusting. And that brings us to our last thing, that good friends are good at sacrificing for each other. I don't know if there's a better story I can think of 
than the story of Ruth and Naomi. And if you're not really familiar with that story, I'm just going to catch up on it really quick. It happened near the beginning of the Bible. And it was in a time when Israel was still establishing itself as a nation. And there was a lady named Naomi, and she had two sons, and they both were married. And one of her new daughter-in-laws was named Ruth. Eventually, Naomi, she ended up losing her husband and both of her sons. And so she was left with these two daughter-in-laws, and all three of them had just been widowed. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-laws that you can go, and you can go get remarried. It was a particularly difficult time to be a widow because in those days, women couldn't own property. They couldn't really make money. They were really dependent on having a man in their lives to be able to support them just with the way that those social structures were set up. And Naomi said, go get remarried, go back to your homelands. And the one daughter-in-law left, but Ruth said, no, where you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. Your land will be my land. And in this incredible act of loyalty, she moves back with Naomi, back to Naomi's hometown. And, and she goes out and she goes and just picks up the loose grain that's in fields to feed them. And eventually she ends up being noticed by the owner of that field and they get married and Naomi is taken into her, into her new home. And so she, she sacrifices potentially just kind of resetting her life. And she stays with this woman. She provides for her and she offers her a new opportunity at a quality of life. It's just this amazing story of self-sacrifice to look out for somebody that you love. And in that, Ruth is eventually honored in the New Testament by being included in the lineage of King David and then Jesus. There's just God's redemption all over that story. And that is such an amazing testament of the kind of friends that I hope that we are able to find in, within our Christian communities. Jesus said this in John chapter 15, verse 12 to 13. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater's love, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus ultimately did lay down his life for each and every one of us. We have already been able to be the beneficiaries of this great sacrifice of one laying down his life for us. And we can probably all agree that yes, laying down your life for somebody is definitely the greatest act of love that you can show to a friend, but in much smaller ways, maybe it's just that you have to sacrifice some time or some comfort or something that you were looking forward to or, you know, whatever it may be that your friend needs. Sometimes to be a great friend, we need to actually lay down our wants and our desires so that we can be a great friend to those around us. And that is how we can show our love to each other. So as you're thinking about your friends, I hope that you are going to be able to go and think with intention about how you can be 
forgiving, inspiring, trusting, and sacrificial to those around you. Because good friends are good fits. And so I just want to close off with a few thoughts about how to find a great friend. If you are someone who's looking for more friends in your life, I just want to assure you that you can always start by asking God. Pray that God would give you a great friend. God knows your desires and he knows that you are meant for community. That is something that he has placed inside of you. So you can pray to God and say, God, I don't have a lot of friends or I am missing that that connection with somebody. I pray that you would provide that for me and trust that he will provide. Ask people to do things with you. Initiate opportunities to deepen your relationships. Um, If you are in the same community and your life looks the same most days, and you're finding that you're lacking friendship, maybe you just need to change things up. You know, sit at a different table when you can. Meet new people. Say hi to a few more people. Smile at a few others. Initiate opportunities to deepen your relationships. That's a great first step. And lastly, just be a great friend to others. It's not easy for all of us. I know some of us have experienced past hurts. Some of us have a hard time opening up but we know that God can heal. And God may just put somebody into your life who restores your faith in how someone can be a great friend. And as you do this, remember that you can take a long view at this. You can think about it this way, that if you were to go out and you needed to dig a well, chances are you probably wouldn't stop at the first sign that you saw water. If a little bit of water bubbled out of the ground and you had just dug a foot down, you're probably not going to stop and say, hey, I got water. This is good enough for me. I'm just going to maintain this here. If you want a deep, rich source of life-giving water, you're going to keep digging down until that is actually available until that well begins to fill up with this life-giving source of water. The same goes for our relationships. If you go, hey, that person knows my name. They know a few things about me. Great. I'm going to see them once a month and this is going to be great. Maybe, maybe that's some relationships for you, but if you're really looking for a meaningful relationship, where you can trust and be sacrificial and inspire each other, you may need to go a little deeper and dig that well and be really intentional with that person. And it's going to take hours and hours to build that relationship, but it is worth it. And so as you go and as you think about how to be a great friend to people, I just trust and I pray that God is going to provide for you. And I, I trust that as you find those God-centered relationships that are life-giving and that inspire you and are worth putting your trust in and those people who are going to sacrifice things for you, I, I pray that you will be reminded of what a friend we have in Jesus. The reality is that 
He, he will forgive you. His life will inspire you as you dig into the word. He is trustworthy and he has already sacrificed and made the greatest sacrifice that anyone ever could for you. So I hope that encourages you and I hope that it gives you something to think about as we slowly, slowly return back to normal. And I hope that as you go that you are blessed and that you are able to live and love a little bit more like Jesus.